There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Thursday edition of the podcast. We certainly welcome each and every one of you, those of you who may be listening for the first time. I know that many have been recommending the podcast. We see new places popping up all the time on the downloads, and we certainly are thankful for that. Just a reminder, those of you in the Chambersburg area will be at the Mount Alto Bible Baptist Church, Lord willing, this Sunday. It'll be at the park in Mount Alto. Uh, You go by the fire hall, turn back by the fire hall. The park's back around there. It will be in the pavilion set up. Have an outdoor service. It's 1030 this Sunday, 6 o'clock p.m., and then next Sunday, 10 a.m., along with 6 p.m., with Brother Dale Morey. And so we're looking forward to those outdoor services. Pray for the church there. Pray for Brother Nathan as he tries to lead the church. And it gives some direction also that folks would come in and hear the preaching of the Word of God. Next week, beginning Monday through Thursday, 6.30 to 8.30 each night, will be Vacation Bible School at our home church, Manasseh Community Baptist Church in Blaine, Pennsylvania. So let folks know about that once again. If you are in this area, we'd love to have you come. We're back in Job 38 again today. God is continuing to speak to Job here, and he's challenging Job right where he left off, or where we left off. God didn't leave off, but where we left off yesterday. And he says in verse 28, "...hath the reign of Father who hath begotten the drops of dew." Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven who hath gendered it? The waters are hid as with a stone, and the face of the deep is frozen. Now the Lord is speaking of something beyond our understanding. This is not an ice age he's speaking of, but what he is speaking of are things that only God can understand and God can know. Those treasures of the snow, those treasures of the hail, how the deep is frozen. No man can go into the deep at this point because it is frozen. Yet the great God of heaven understands these things. He is telling Job of these things. And he speaks of those waters or hid as with a stone. But then he said in verse 31, he begins to speak of the heavens, begins to speak of the stars. He's spoken of things on earth to this point, but now he turns to the heavens when he says, Canst thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Yet God himself has done that. He hung the stars and he spoke them into existence. And by the way, at that time of creation, he made the stars, he made the sun, he made the moon. And they also made in that Pleiades, he made Orion that acknowledges Orion. Canst thou bring forth Maseroth in his season? Or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? It's important to understand the stars. God himself spoke of those stars, spoke of those very things that we are speaking of today. And so the Lord challenges Job with those things. And yet there are those today that simply don't understand those things, do not believe those things. They struggle with the heavens and the heavenly, and they rather trust an astronomer than they would the word of God. But God put them in their orientation. God put them so that they're a compass on the face of the deep. Those mariners of old could use them to guide. And that's what God said. By the way, ship captains today still as a very backup to the backup to the backup when all else fails. 
Those ships' captains today can plot a sextant and a compass, and even at the Naval Academy, they're still trained how to use them. They do them according to the time, the date, where they are in the Earth approximately, and they use the stars as their guide. For years, men have been compassing the face of the Earth with those things. And yet, there's men that were skeptic, they're doubtful, they say, well, all this just kind of happened, but yet God put those there. So, Job, do you have understanding of these? Can you bring forth Maseroth in his season, or canst thou guide Arcturus with his sons? And it's interesting, he talks about Maseroth with his season. And when you look at the Little Dipper, Big Dipper, and of course here in Pennsylvania, those are two great landmarks of the sky each and every year. Orion is a landmark of the sky, but he uses specifically Maseroth in his season. That great constellation, when he appears only when the earth is in its right place. There is a season for him to appear. There's a season for him to disappear. And yet so much hangs on those things. Job, do you understand this? Do you realize what I've done? And then he says, knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? So God has ordinances in heaven. There are things that God puts in place. I know we refer to them often as natural law. But can I say to you, some of that natural law is the law of the heavenlies. God put those things in heaven. God put those things in existence. When you go out there in a dark night and you look up into the heavens and you see the stars and you see the shooting stars, and if you get a really good dark night and you're in a dark area, you can see uh, many shooting stars. You can see uh, a lot of motion in the skies. Most of the airplanes are easily identified, easily seen. Last time we went to Cherry Springs State Park, uh, we were able to see the space station as it went low on the horizon. And it's a marvel how you can see these light pollution has diminished much of that today. But if you get in a place where there's no light pollution, you get out in the wilderness somewhere, you get out in the desert, the sea somewhere, these things can still be seen. And God has made it so. It's given us understanding because God has set them in order. There's ordinances that control these things. That's why he asked Job, canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee? Now, we've spoken much in the last several chapters of those waters. We know that that water distills abundantly upon the face of the earth. We know that God is doing that wonderful work. We know that he makes a way for that water to fall in the wilderness where no man is, where no man knows where that seed is. And God waters that tender seed, waters that tender herb. But then in Amos 9, 6, the word of God said, it is he that buildeth his stories in the heaven and hath found that his troop in the earth. And then notice what it says in the rest of that verse. He that calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth, the Lord is his name. And so we know he calleth for the waters of the sea to pour them out upon the face of the earth. That's why he asked Job, canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds? That's God calling for the waters of the seas. He said that abundance of waters may cover thee. That's the work of God. That's the doing of God. That's that liken we spoke of, of the word of God. That is the dew from heaven. Specifically here, he speaks of the rain. Why? Because God calls those waters from the sea. It's the law of evaporation. The sea gives up its water. God takes it inland, puts it up in the clouds. Those clouds come. The weather patterns change. God brings rain upon the earth. But it's God that's in charge of the mountains. God put the mountains where they were. He has set that water course. And by the way, that water course is not just on earth. That water course is also set in the heavenlies. God has his way in the storm. God directs that storm. God directs those rain showers. God pours them out in abundance upon the face of the earth as he sees fit to do. So, Job, what do you have to do with that? All of these things are the hand of God. 
I was wrestling with some things uh, this week and especially earlier this day that I'm recording. And it finally dawned on me as I'm looking at this that the battle of Jericho was fought by the children of Israel. You say, what do you mean it was fought by the children of Israel? Well, they obeyed God. That was their job in the battle. And so many times that's just our job in the battle. All they did was obey God. God was the victor. God won the battle. If God before us, who can be against us? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but no, they're spiritual. Why? The tearing down of strongholds. That's what God wants to do. There's so many battles we fight. It's just flesh and bone. It's us fighting and give rather than let God deal with it, rather than let God do it. And that's what he's wrestling with Job contending over. Are you going to do these things? Are you going to bring this water upon the face of the earth? I've heard the old stories of the old timers would have to pray for rain, and God would deliver the rain, but it would rain on the just and the unjust alike. I remember the time when in Georgia, when they were having a national day of prayer, or a, rather a statewide day of prayer in the state of Georgia, when Sonny Purdue was governor, and they went and they prayed, and they asked God for rain, and when Six Flags flooded downtown Atlanta, nobody went back to the state house, stood on the steps, and thanked God for the rain. They've been in such a drought, they begged God for rain, and the earth flooded, and nobody went and thanked God for the rain. That's kind of where man is. Well, these are the wonderful doings of God. He says and goes on, it says, verse 35, Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto thee, here we are? Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts? Now he gets down. He's come through the, the natural law. He's gone into the, into the earth and the heavenlies, and he's matched all these things up, how it rains, and the treasures, and all of these things. And he gets down to who put wisdom in the inward parts. Or who hath given understanding to the heart? Now, I could use natural law and explain that. Who's given us wisdom to get this food? Who knows uh, why we go out in the woods and can pick certain mushrooms and eat them and not eat others? Why? It's God that gave that wisdom. It's God that gave that understanding. How do you know what animals you can eat and what animals you cannot eat? I mean, who was the first man that said, hey, I can eat a puffer fish and went and ate the liver of a puffer fish and died hours later in horrible agony because the neurotoxins destroyed his brain? And I mean, who was the first man? Yet God gave understanding of those things. And fools took on those things. Fools took on that adventure. God gave us wisdom. And I'm talking about the natural things. God gives us those understandings. There's things that God has put in place that we just look at it and say, you know, that's not for me. That's not going to work for me. God gave understanding. The persimmon, mighty terrible before the first frost, but mighty sweet after the first frost. God gave that understanding. That's for food. Great in vitamin C, high in potassium. It's a wonderful thing for those in the North American continent, the, the winter time is coming. It's the last harvest of the winter. You can dry them and eat them all winter long. God provided that. God gave them that wisdom. God gave that understanding. God put that in the inward parts. God, natural law chooses that. But yet, could I say to you, my friend, there's more than that natural law God put inside of a man. There's that spiritual law. That's one of those marvels that we look at. God does that internally. God does that in the inward parts of man. We can understand the ways of a man. Every man can understand that because the spirit of man which is in him. But very few men can understand the things of God because they don't have the spirit of God. And yet that also comes from above. And so God gives that understanding. The understanding he speaks of here, it's wisdom in the inward parts. Job had wisdom, but it wasn't of his own might. It wasn't of his own power. It wasn't of his own intellect. It was a work of God. And as soon as we think it's us, we're in danger. We're in trouble with God. As soon as we think, oh, you know, and there's times every once in a while I'll discern something correctly, and it's a wonder. And I go, oh, what a wonderful thing, and then try to take credit for it and steal all glory from God. And what a shame that is. 
The few times I do get it right, I steal the glory from God. As though the times I get it wrong, I don't blame God. You know, I just realize, oh, I made a mistake. But yet at the same time, the times I do get it right, I want the glory for it. But it's God that giveth any wisdom. If there's any wisdom, if there's any discernment, if there's any understanding, he said he gives understanding to the heart. Job, can you give understanding to the heart? And that's one of the great follies of modern religion today, by the way. Men are trying to give men understanding in the heart. They preach trying to force men to understand. They try to oversimplify, use all the illustrations. And what people do then is they grasp the illustration because they can relate to it because the spirit of man that is in them, but they cannot relate to the spiritual. And yet people see, well, they got the illustration, therefore they must have got the whole thing. And they pronounce them say, pronounce them spiritual, call them to preach and everything else, but they've never spiritually discerned the word of God. They have a natural understanding of these things. Yet God gave them a natural understanding, but God also is the one that gives the spiritual understanding by the Spirit. He said, who can number the clouds in wisdom? Or who can stay the bottles of heaven? When the dust groweth into hardness and the clods cleave fast together, who's going to pour rain upon that? Who bottles up the heavens? It's the Lord. He controls the rain. He controls the drought. I know countries in this world that have those monsoon-type rains where you get the rain all for a season, especially in the summer, then they have a dry season. And some places only have nine months of wet and three months of dry. Some have nine months of dry, three months of wet. Some have zero months of wet. Some have zero months of dry. God knew all this. And yet God has prepared the animals. He's prepared the plants. He's prepared people. He's given knowledge. He's given understanding. And so when the earth gets hard and the clods are formed, they cleave fast together. Who's done that? God has done that. Wilt thou hunt the prey for the lion or fill the appetite of the young lions? No, you can't do that, Job. You don't have that ability. But God does that. It's a wonderful work of God. When they couch in their dens and abide in the covert to lie wait, it's a work of God. He's given the lions understanding. He's given nature understanding. They understand their creator. They know the creator. One of the evidences that animals know their creator is they don't go outside of the natural law that God intends for them. You might say, well, why do they eat people? Why would a lion eat a person? Well, because it's in him to do. But God put that in him. It's part of the curse on the earth. That curse will be lifted one day. That lion will no more devour men's flesh. That's a wonderful working of God. God gives him that understanding. God gives him that knowledge. You know, the earthworm has knowledge. You know, they don't have much of a brain, maybe the size of a pinhead, if that. But the earthworm just goes into the earth and he crawls through the earth. And I realize this men say he evolved that way. But how in the world could a creature evolve on its own to go into the muck and the mire and the filth of this earth and to eat at one end, drop it out the other end and make it fertile and make it clean and oxygenate the soil. And that's all his purpose on this earth is. You would think he would evolve beyond that. You would think he would want to grow legs and run away or grow wings and fly away. All he is is bird fodder. But no, he's not going to evolve beyond that because God has made him that way. That's the way the natural man is, by the way. Without God's intervention, he's not going to change. Without God stepping in the word of God and the entrance of his words given light, man's not going to change. That natural man's not going to change. Yet it's a work of God. God gives understanding. Only God gives understanding. Who provideth for the raven his food? When his young ones cry unto God, they wander for lack of meat. Who takes care of those birds? Who gives that young raven meat? One of the blessings of the automobile. And, and I consider the blessing of the automobile is the ravens and the buzzards and the, the hawks and things like that around us are well fed. On the mountain, on the way to church, we have a, 
kind of a little running tally we keep in the car of squirrels and chipmunks and rabbits and possums and porcupines and raccoons and different seasons, different things. You don't want to see deer on the road, although we see quite a few of them. We see a lot of dead deer on the road. But I think our number one dead animal on the road we see is the porcupine. And they don't really provide good food because if they die belly down, that bird's going to have trouble getting to that belly. But what they like is when they get run over again and get splattered all over the road and the birds can come feed their belly. You know why? God is providing food for that young raven. They wander for lack of meat, but yet God takes care of their need. There's times an animal will die so that the birds can eat. You look at those uh, things in the watering hole of Africa and one of the great stories uh, historically and forever, really, the watering holes of Africa, the life that's contained in those watering holes, but also part of that life is death. One animal dies and the others live. They feast on that animal. That's natural law. God's put that into them. God's given that understanding. Yet God takes care of those. His hand is in those things. Therefore, again, Job, what have you done? Can I say to you, listening, what have you actually done? What have you accomplished in your life? And I know I like to think I've accomplished great things, and I like to think I've accomplished wonderful things, but I, I realize the time of eternity and the vapor that is my life, how little I've truly accomplished. But the one thing I can accomplish is to bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I might magnify his name, exalt his name. What a privilege that is. That's really about all I'm good for, is just to magnify the Lord. But you know what a wonderful thing that God would let us magnify his name that God would let us bring glory unto the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. Would you just think about this tonight, tomorrow, as we go into tomorrow's closing podcast for the week? What have you actually done? Or has God done it? Have you accomplished anything? Or is it just God? Can I say to you, my friend, if there's anything good come out of your life, you ought to just lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting and just say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless his holy name. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord, as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption falleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.